The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Star Wars 7x7 episode 3138. Today, it's the second half of my conversation with George Mann, author of The Battle of Jeddah. Punch it! Hey Rebel Razor, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy. And thank you so much for joining me for it. So once again, the deal with George Mann. He is a Sunday Times best-selling novelist and scriptwriter. He's the creator of the Witchwood Supernatural Mystery Series as well as the popular Newberry and Hobbs and Tales of the Ghost series, two of which are in development as TV shows. He's written comics and novels and audio dramas for properties such as Star Wars, Doctor Who, Sherlock Holmes, Judge Dredd, and Dark Souls. And he's currently part of the writer's room on a forthcoming genre television show. Very cool. For our purposes today though, we're going to pick up the conversation that began in yesterday's episode and we're going to talk about how the Battle of Jeddah is a linchpin story between waves one and two of phase two of the higher public storytelling. We're going to talk about how Tales of Enlightenment, his short story series in Star Wars Insider Magazine, plays into all of this and about the journey of Keth that we met in Tales of Enlightenment, who continues his journey in the Battle of Jeddah. We'll also talk about his proclivity, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, <laughs> for the dark side, and about the Path of the Open Hand, the Brotherhood of the Ninth Door, and the Sith, and how they play in that space. This is a really awesome part of the conversation. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did and seemingly <laughs> as George did as well. So without further ado, here is the second half of my conversation with George Mann, author of The Battle of Jeddah. So The Battle of Jeddah has also been described in various places as a linchpin story connecting wave one and wave two of phase two. I'm wondering, like, is that how you see it as well? And as far as your place in between these waves, how does it affect your creative process knowing that you have a lot of threads coming in from wave one and a lot of threads that are going out to wave two? What is it like for your creative process in terms of connecting these two waves? It makes it longer. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it was, I, I, I won't pretend it was a challenge. It was a challenge this time because um, it wasn't a story I could tell in isolation. You know, mm -hmm. I saw the Hidden City, because it was a book one, I was setting up some, I was writing these characters for the first time, inventing new characters, putting them into a situation. You know, you can just write the story. Right. Um, with Battle of, uh, Battle of Jeddah, it was very much, um, you know, picking up the threads from Quest of the Hidden City, picking up the threads from Path of Deceit, picking up the threads from Convergence, and then leaving all the characters where they needed to be for um, so, um, for Lydia and, you know, for, for, for Cav, Cav in particular, um, but for Daniel as well. And, you know, there was... There was lots of like we know we know a lot of characters are moving through this story, um, so again that presents its own challenges in terms of plot armor and things like that because you know although you know 
you might not know who's going to survive or not. I do because <laughs> I, know, I know I know who's writing what books next, so I know right. where I need to hand off these characters to. So I, you know, it's, there was a lot of planning, a lot of um, a lot of revision work, to be honest, because we were a lot of us, you know, we were writing simultaneously. In, uh. you know, um, so um, you know, whereas you know, um, Zoraida was finishing her book, Cataclysm. No, it's the other way around, isn't it? Convergence and convergence, yeah. Yeah. Um, she was finishing convergence. I was already writing Battle for Jedi, and then we had to then I kind of we had to kind of make sure they went like, you know, they're laced together. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I spent a lot of time with Cav. Um, thankfully, as I say, you know, we're mates, so we're used to doing this, because he was writing the comic, obviously, set on Jeddah at the same yes. time. Yes. So we, you know, um we were and I was also writing the short stories for Insider that were also set on Jeddah at the same time. So we were really kind of planning, like, well, okay. Um, there's a scene, I think people have seen it now, that um, where the Herald gives a speech, and it's the same in both. So it's kind of, Cav had a very clear idea of how he wanted that speech to work in the comic. So, so I kind of, I initially left that scene, I just blank in the in the audio and carried <laughs> on. Because I knew, I knew what the output of it was going to be, but mm-hmm. I didn't know that, that you know, and I, I thought, well, if Cav's got a really clear idea, we should let him write that scene, and then I'll put, I'll take it and put a different, spin on it see it from a different angle but the text will be of the speech will be the same mm-hmm. um and we've worked really closely there. i mean obviously i can't give away spoilers because there's still stuff playing out in marvel comics but um we worked really closely to make sure that, that everything was aligned um so people won't get the full picture of what happens on Jeddah until they've read the comics as well ah gotcha and, and the rest of the insider stories as well I and mean, there's a few more to come and, and they cross over as well with i mean well, I think we'll probably talk about it. There's some crossover between them and the audio, but there's also crossover with what's going on in the Marvel comic as well. So um, a lot of planning and a fair amount of kind of like sketching in scenes that I knew were going to have that crossover so that I could then go back to them later and kind of do another pass and tighten them up and make sure that we were handing things over properly. That's awesome. And you keep saying things that make me want to talk to you about Kath and I'm... <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's talk about Kath. <laughs> let's let's just let's just do it because um, so here in the U.S., uh, Star Wars Insider two sixteen has dropped, so the unusual suspect is already out and available, and we've talked about it on the podcast already. Um, the fact that Kath does not appear in there, and there's an initial you know discussion of like Kath's usually here by now. Um, so I guess this is the place where we'll put the spoiler warning for for <laughs> folks because yeah. the the audio drama has been out for over a month, so I think we're fair. But um, Keth does not make it out of the Battle of Jeddah, and so when I read the unusual suspect and I'm like, Keth's usually here by now. That happens very early on in the short story, and I was like, oh, like just that you talk about pulling the heartstrings, and I was like, oh, Keth, and then it turns out that this story is actually happening during the Battle of Jeddah, and Keth has not yet met his untimely demise necessarily so he's still out there and and they don't know Parali and one of the they create they don't know that yet so just uh it's it is kind of heartbreaking to be a reader (laughs) a listener living in that space knowing that these characters don't know and that's a credit to you of course because you've created such well-formed characters that you actually have these feelings for them in anticipation of their discovery of the events of the Battle of Jeddah. So um, you got to bring those Tales of Enlightenment characters into the Battle of Jeddah. Like that was 
I assume part of your plan all along, or was that something where when you found out you were going to get to do this story, you know, was it particularly exciting for you to say, I've been working on these characters. I'm so psyched I get to bring them in here. I so gonna get this right in my head the way around it, it it all happened. So so as part of the story architect stuff that Cav did for Jeddah, he'd already created Enlightenment, Craydon and the Twinkle Sisters. Ah, okay. So I knew they existed. So mm-hmm. when I'd read through the documents and I was planning the Battle of Jeddah, I was like, this these guys have to be in Battle of Jeddah. Of course, the bar has the bar's a linchpin of Jeddah at the time. And we knew it was also going to be a point where the stories cross over. They're going to feature in the comics, they're going to feature in the in the um Star Wars Insider stories, they're going to feature in the Battle of Jeddah. So we've kind of if if Enlightenment is kind of like this hub, where I kind of approached it, I so I knew I had um this kind of I was going to feature them um in the in the the audio, but I also knew that they weren't going to be main characters in the audio, they were going to be cameos. So I kind of thought, I was thinking to myself, how is the, what's the best way to have to have the bar keep coming back up? And it's like, well, we can have um, a regular. And it was around the same time I was starting to do that planning that um, I was approached to do the insider stories as well. And, you know, unlike kind of uh, phase one, we thought rather than do lots of different people writing stories, we'll do a series, serial fiction, essentially. Mm-hmm. Tales of Enlightenment, and I thought, well, okay, then we've got to make it like Cheers. Yes, we've got to have those people who are always in the bar. Um, so I actually ended up writing the first Tales of Enlightenment before I wrote any scenes for Keth, Perali, and Muna in the audio. Mm-hmm. So I kind of fleshed them out. I started to flesh them out there. I did actually then have a chance to go back after writing some scenes to to tinker with um, the the first story before it went to press, just to make them line up. But um, it was actually something that um, Tom said to me, the, the Del Rey editor, um, was that Keth, when, when I kind of gave him the outline and we, he came back and he said, Keth is the only character whose story completes in this book. Because, you know, like I said earlier, a lot of these characters are passing through. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are, of course, there are others. We said, said spoiler alert. So, you know, yes. people like that as well. But mm-hmm. Keth's kind of one of the heroes um essentially and we kind of went well this has to be his story has to be great then because if he's going to die at the end of the story we you know we really have to kind of go into some depth into Keth and 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 explore him properly because it's it's you know in some ways it's his story right Um, so um so that kind of gave me a lot of gave me a lot of impetus to kind of to dig in and and, and start fleshing those characters out a lot, um, and that's kind of when I, I kind of I added his droid companion, um, which I kind of I, I, I'm, I'm quite um, taken with 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 the droid and, and the, <laughs> the vocoder that can only speak in epithets and kind of stuff. So um, so yeah, I thought well that's that's a you know something I'm going to lean into as well. Um, and now, I mean, I'm sad he died, really, because, you know, now, you know, there's still a few more insider stories to come. Um, and, you know, those guys, obviously, at some point, they're going to find out what's what's happened. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so we get, we get the, obviously, we get the little epilogue at the end of the audio as well. Um, Which is beautiful. Oh, thank you. Thank if you. I may say. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, so, yeah, so there's, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see a bit more of that sort of thing. 
So how would you describe um, Keth's overall journey as a character through the stories, beginning as you know, readers and listeners experience it with Tales of Enlightenment, because that's where we were first introduced to him, and then ending with the Battle of Jeddah? How would you describe his overall story arc then? Um, one of fulfillment, I think, actually. You know, mm. um, you know, some characters have gone an arc of revelation, um, and some have gone an arc of redemption. I think for for Keth, it's a, it's it's fulfillment. Excuse me, I'll just get rid of. Oh, there we go. Sorry, I was just getting rid of the um, pinging. For, <laughs> I've forgotten to put it on silent. I apologize. That's um, all right. So yeah, so for for Keth, I definitely think it's. Um, it's kind of about finding himself and the situations that he's he's always craved and his place in the force. You know, he, he works for the Church of the Force. Um, he's not the most pious person, um, but he, he he craves something interesting happening to, um, and he, he wants to be a part of something bigger, essentially. And that's that's what he's looking for, really, in his um, in his religion, his beliefs his, um, and his life. He's you know, he's he's. He's got a happy life with a group of friends, um, people who care about him, but he goes to the church every day and he sweeps floors and, you know, he runs errands. And then he's given this opportunity. And first of all, he thinks, you know, goodness me, I've been given this opportunity and it's babysitting a, you know, some, some, <laughs> some mediator guy. And, you know, but soon, obviously, he ends up partnering with Solandra. And I think, you know, that's, he's, he's a guy who, um, you know, he wants to be a Jedi. He can't be a Jedi. He doesn't have. He doesn't have the Force. Doesn't have mm. the, the ability to manipulate the Force. But he ends up kind of fulfilling that role, and that's why there's that kind of scene towards the end where um, you know when he when when he is he's on his deathbed and he's like you know, Slander's like you've you've been like a Padawan sort of thing, and um, because because that's the role he ends up fulfilling. He 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 helps. He helps. He he saves lives. You know he. Um, he does something very meaningful before he dies, you know, in the, in that he helps to evacuate people into the, the Dome of Deliverance um, and um, and helps Solandra um, and helps her work out what's going on with the, the brothers uh, of the Ninth Door and all of that. So, um, so yeah, so I think, I, li I like to think that he gets what he's always wanted, um, even if it does come at a cost. I, that's a beautiful answer. I liked the idea of an arc of fulfillment. That's tremendous. Um, you mentioned the Brothers of the Ninth Door, and um, I want to ask you about uh, dark side stuff as well. You did an interview with a bunch of the, uh, I think all of the new Arthur, authors and story architects for phase two. And one of the questions that they asked in a rapid fire thing toward the end was about lightsaber color. And you chose red and you everybody seemed to be surprised by that. And you said yeah. that you had a hidden dark side. So I'd love to hear <laughs> about whether you have any particular affinity for dark side users. I know Adam Christopher who wrote Shadow of the Sith also has said that he's particularly fascinated by the Sith. And so I'd love to hear your take on dark side folks yeah yeah sure i mean so I, I, it was half tongue-in-cheek of course um, my, <laughs> um i don't i mean i'm not sure i'm not sure i do really have a hidden dark side but i am fascinated with the dark side of the force um i just think there's something really interesting particularly when you decouple the dark side from the concept of evil you know, mm. uh, i think that's where it starts to get really interesting for me because you know 
it's very easy for for us to um to go okay dark side users are the bad guys in the star wars universe mm -hmm. but that's not necessarily the case um and it doesn't have to be the case what what dark side users are are that you know they're often fanatics um but they're also um people who op are operating from a place of fear um and that's um that's that makes really interesting characters if you start to think about them in those terms rather than i'm a cackling villain -ha -ha -ha, i'm gonna kill everyone <laughs> it becomes a, 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 kind of you start to think about people's motivations like well what's drawn this person to the dark side why have why have they you know is it is it that they're hungry for power perhaps or maybe it's because they're scared and they're looking for ways to defend themselves or protect themselves or protect their loved ones um and you know there's hints of what happens to Anakin in that in, in that you know you see how um how his arc develops um that's that's definitely where he's coming from and I think um what what was interesting about creating the the Brothers of the Ninth Door was to try and do a dark side sect that had different aspects to it so while Mithian and you know the others who are, are working with him are clearly villainous mm -hmm. You, you, you also hear that there are brothers of the ninth door out there helping people during the battle. Um, so it's not, it's not entirely a black and white situation. It's not, you know, they're, it's, it's not, they're not on an axis of good guys and bad guys. They're on an axis of light and dark. And um, I, I find that fascinating. I think there's, you know, and everything in between, like, you know, dark and light implies shadow. Um, so, you know, where are they on that spectrum? Where where are the brothers and knights on that spectrum? Maybe they're not as as fallen as the Sith, and maybe they're not fallen at all. Maybe they're they're just exploring into the grey, um, and the shadows, and 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 starting to manipulate some of those that thing for, for that that force for what they believe is the right reasons. And we know that's a dangerous path. It can be certainly, and and yet it seems like you're also of the mindset that you know perhaps people could be a few steps down that path but decide that they're not going to take the additional steps that would drive them all the way to sit levels of you know danger and destruction exactly that exactly that and it, and it also means they they don't necessarily turn around and say i'm going all the way back to the light either mm -hmm. what does that mean then what does that mean for that person it doesn't it doesn't mean they're a villain or a, or a bad guy or evil but they're not necessarily an out and out good guy either. So you've got, you know, and that's and that's kind of what I wanted to explore a bit with uh, the Brothers of the Night Store, and and you know, particularly in the short story. Um, yes. You know, because that was that was kind of really looking at that as kind of you know, everyone assumed everyone in the bar assumes he's a villain. That's but right. Yes, this is in the one that just came out, the Unusual Suspect, and Mindoku is you know acts on behalf of Creighton and everybody in the bar to protect them against the, the gangs that come in. And it, it's either Parali or Mooney, I think it's Parali who says like, like, why are you doing this? I don't understand it. And Mendoku has to say, why wouldn't I do it when, you know, people are in danger and you can just assume that I was just acting selfishly and, and leave it at that and let your own, you know, yeah. minds run about it. But I'm, I'm doing what, needs to be done in my own particular way yeah exactly that 
exactly that so so and that's what's been so 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 much fun about those short stories that this they've allowed me to focus on different aspects of, the, of some of the different uh, kind of things that are going on on in on Jeddah um in a way that I couldn't with the audio um to explore that you know there's there's the story where Keth has the conversation with the, the member of the path of the open hand and you get to, you know to see the philosophical reasons behind why they're like the way they are um and again that was that was a huge amount of fun to write um so so yeah so that's I guess that's what attracts me to the dark side. I mean, everyone loves everyone loves a great villain. Of course, they do as well. And you know, and I I do mm -hmm. like writing Sith and you know, um, kind of those those people who are you know just on that moral end of the spectrum. They, they, you know, they they're uncaring and and they're, they're selfish and they're only out for themselves. That's yeah, that's fun to write. Of course, it is. But um, I, I guess doing Dark Legends, I've done quite a lot of. Kind of dark side and Sith stories, and with with the Brothers of the Ninth Door, I wanted to do something a bit different. So, in terms of say the convocation and the Festival of Balance, I guess I'll ask you for the three groups that were that we've mentioned here: the Brothers of the Ninth Door, the Path of the Open Hand, and the Sith. Do all three of those organizations, in in your mind, belong as part of the convocation or the Festival that's a, of Balance? That's a really interesting. Um, question. Yeah, um, really interesting question. I think the Brothers of the Ninth Door definitely do. I mean, we see, you know, Cavan has got the Sorcerer, Sorcerers of Tund on there. Yes. Uh, so we've, 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 we see some of that representation already. I think the Brothers should be on there, um, or, or certainly would have a place on there if, you know, in the future. Um, the path, I mean, I guess from a political point of view, having them on there means that you've always got the opposing voice mm -hmm. um, which is actually you obviously actually a useful tool for for anyone in kind of in a position of of power or governance to hear the opposing voices and, and understand different perspectives so i'd like to say yes on a if if they're if they could be believed if you know if 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 the mother really stood for what the path supposedly stand for then mm -hmm. i'd say yes uh, without hesitation but knowing the mother as i do <laughs> as, we, as we learn through the story the stories that are developing in in phase two mm -hmm. uh, yeah maybe not um Sith, Sith, i think they're probably too far gone mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think they are beyond the pale and i wonder if that means as a result that there is a group that would be ostensibly on the light side of the force that exists that could also be considered too far gone on their end of the spectrum to not belong in the convocation oh, of the festival of balance that's very interesting yeah i mean I, I, absolutely you know there's everything has its polar opposite i mean i suppose we're we're set up to believe that the jedi and the sith are opposites i i don't know if that's how how true that is um certainly some jedi have a, have a slightly broader perspective they're not so you know they're, they're definitely not kind of on the fanatical end of things mm -hmm. uh, whereas i can imagine a fanatical light side um you know sect being um being very dangerous so like, yeah that's an interesting question that's that's you know it poses it poses um something uh, something interesting for the star wars universe doesn't it well i 
We certainly hope so. <laughs> and I guess it's something we can pursue perhaps at a, a later date and maybe later stories perhaps. But I know that um, you have things that you want to get to with your family in your evening and I want to be respectful of your time and, and let you get to them. So before we go, I do just want to give you the opportunity to share where people can connect with you, whether your website, your social media, like where can people keep up with your journey ongoing Star Wars and otherwise? Yeah, uh, thank you. So I've got um, a website at georgeman.net, um, all as one word. Um, and then on socials, um, Twitter is at George underscore man. That's probably the best place to to seek me out to start with and then like everyone else these days i've got a mastodon and a hive um you know instagram um jo i'm at george man author on instagram so I, hit me on instagram or twitter and then if you if you're on one of those other platforms you can find out from links on there to find me on the other platforms um yeah Terrific. And I will link to all of those in the show notes for this episode and in the blog post at SW7x7.com as well. George, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Again, congratulations on being a part of the High Republic and making such a tremendous splash with Battle of Jeddah. And have a wonderful rest of your evening. Thank you very much for having me. And there you go. That is my conversation with George Mann author of The Battle of Jeddah and numerous other Star Wars stories and for other properties too. And that is going to do it for this episode of the podcast. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it as always. And may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Star Wars 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the Force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.